0: You're listening to the Average Conservationist Podcast brought to you by Go Hunt and in partner with 2% for Conservation. Sign up today to become an insider at Gohunt.com. 2% for Conservation's mission is to create an alliance of businesses and individuals that ensure the future of hunting and angling by committing their time and dollars to fish and wildlife. 1% of your time plus 1% of your money equals 2% for conservation. 2% What's up, everyone? Happy Thursday. Welcome back to another episode of the Average Conservationist Podcast, and I'm your host, Marcus Ewing. Got a good one for you today. Today, we are joined by Callum Brown, and Callum is the president of 2% Certified Brown Dog Hosiery. Um, We get to talk uh, feet, socks, conservation today. Uh, Really, socks are one of those things that we all know the value and the importance of uh, but oftentimes it's one of those things that gets overlooked, and not only from a, you know, being in the field conservation, uh, stamp or being in the field and hunting and fishing standpoint of things, but really just uh, in your everyday uh, life. So <clears throat> we could kind of walk through the process of you know what it looks like making, uh, making some of their socks, um, you know why conservation uh, is so important to the brand, uh, you know really. With Callum as president, you know what that looks like for him. You know why the outdoors is important to him. Uh, The company, you know, their socks are made right here in the USA. The cotton uh, is grown down there in the South. Uh, Everything is dyed right there, as far as the colors, uh, there in their facility. And uh, it's just a really cool, um, a really cool outfit that they have. Um, I actually picked up some of their socks and uh, I'm just blown away. Um, I mean, it sounds weird to say that you're blown away by a pair of socks, but if you've only ever been wearing, you know, kind of store-bought, I mean, I guess everything's store-bought socks, but if you've you've not been, you know, spending a little bit extra money uh, on the socks that you're putting on your feet, you probably don't know what you're missing. So I highly recommend um, giving Brown Dog Uh, a look and seeing and checking out some of their really uh, cool socks that they have and they've got some new stuff uh, that's coming as well so I think you guys will enjoy that. So episode 77 Callum Brown uh, enjoy. Uh, Before that I want to tell you about a new promotion that our friends over at Wild River's Coffee are running so right now through the holiday season uh, if you spend $75 or more uh, you are automatically going to get a free bag of coffee on them so this is a great way for you guys um, to give you know the gift of coffee accessories you know some of their cool uh, mugs and shirts all that good stuff uh, anything um, that the coffee lover in your life would like this is a great opportunity um, to kind of spoil them and, and get them some wild River's coffee stuff. Um, no promo code is necessary for that. So once you once your cart hits $75 um, and you notice that, just throw an extra bag of coffee in there and when you go to checkout, it'll show you that that bag of coffee is all set up for, um, that it'll be free and <clears throat> it'll be part of their holiday promo. Now, if let's say you don't want to spend $75, always feel free to use the promo code and this is all caps FISH underscore WILDLIFE and you're going to save 10% off your order there. Um, and at Wild Rivers Coffee, they're roasting in small batches, um, like I've mentioned before. So they assure that they're, they assure you that their coffee arrives at its peak freshness. Wild Rivers is also a proud partner of Two Percent for Conservation, so they believe in preserving the wild places and wild things that bring all of us so much joy. And that's why proceeds from every sale that Wild Rivers makes um, is being donated back to conservation groups that are near and dear to them. So groups like Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, Ducks Unlimited. Backcountry Hunters and Anglers and Trout Unlimited. So head over to WildRiversCoffeeCo.com, order your fresh roasted beans, and like I mentioned, get some handmade mugs, some sweet merch. Um, Subscribe today and save 10% off your order. So uh, head over to WildRiversCoffeeCo.com. All right, I'd like to welcome into the show today the president of 2% Certified Brown Dog Hosiery, Callum Brown. Callum, how are you, man? I'm good, Marcus. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, uh, I'm excited. Um, you know, with the podcast and, and talking to a lot of 2% brands and, what, and whatnot, uh, you're the first, per- actually, I think you're probably the only uh, sock company uh, that is 2% certified. Uh, so I'm definitely excited to learn more. And obviously, we're just coming into November here, or actually, by the time this releases, we'll be into November. Uh, and keeping your feet warm, keeping your feet looking nice, I mean, those are important things. So I'm definitely excited to learn more about the company
1: well well thank you and um you you know you've reached a certain age when you get excited about getting socks for christmas gifts Uh, (laughs) but they make great christmas gifts you know you are
0: absolutely right and i remember as a kid you know you get a pair of socks like there's almost like these these certain things you can count on year in and year out whether they're stocking stuffers they're from a, a grandma or an aunt or that friend of the family whatever it is like you can almost bet your last dollar that there's going to be some socks in in your array of gifts. And, uh, yeah, as you get older, uh, yes, yeah, socks are important. They really are. I, I am very particular about my socks. Uh, and, yeah, I, I totally understand what you mean there.
1: That, that's right. Yeah. And, and but they... It's also for it, it's it's a uh, it's great stocking stuffer, but gosh, what are you going to get for your your brother, or your dad, or your uncle that that they're actually going to use that you can spend twelve dollars on or less than twenty dollars on, and and they're actually going to be excited about getting. So we we love helping folks with that. Yeah, and that's the thing. I don't know if
0: it's uh, over like the last oof, gosh, maybe like ten years. I would say I almost feel like there's been a um kind of like this emphasis or, uh, like socks have become like a, a fashion thing, right? Like, you know, a lot of people are like kind of cuffing their pants so you can see some of the sock a little bit, uh, you know, with, you know, kind of formal dress wear or business, you know, attire, stuff like that. Like, you know, a lot of times, like when you're sitting down you, know, you can see, you know, the, the bottom half of your sock between your shoe and your pant there. And it's almost become kind of a, a fashion statement, a way to kind of, um, you know, show
1: your your personality or your interest a little bit. So, yeah. That's right. Well, you know, I'll ask you, I mean, when was the last time you wore a tie? When was the last time I wore a tie? It's been
0: a while. Uh, It's been a while. I mean, probably a wedding of some sort in the past four or five years I guess and it's been at right. least
1: three years since I put a tie and I can tell you that much that's right and and I think that's most of us um, unless you're you're going to a wedding or a funeral you, you don't typically wear a tie and, and for men at least that used to be how we showed off a little bit of a little bit of flair and and a little bit of style and so so socks have really become the, the new tie.
0: Yeah, and I feel like as uh, as things have progressed and there's kind of this uh, younger generation uh, kind of in the business forefront, uh, yeah, style, you know, they grew up uh, where style was, you know, a lot more important, I guess, or, uh, you know, wanting to look your best. And yeah, socks have, have certainly become that, uh, that new accessory, I guess, or staple. I mean, not an accessory, I mean, you need to wear socks, but, you know, it's become that thing that everyone... Uh, wants to kind of outdo the next person sitting next to him.
1: That's right. <laughs>
0: That's right. That's right. I mean, I remember as uh, <clears throat> on my wedding day, uh, one of my groomsmen like gave me like a kind of a flashy pair of socks to wear, which is I, right. I, I didn't even think about it at the time. And he's just like, "No, he's like, you got to wear these socks." He's like, "You know, they're they're, they're awesome." I was like, "All right, yeah. cool. Like, I'll I'll throw on some you know purple and yellow
1: socks. Like, what, what do you I care, it. right?" well I tell you that's one of the fun one of the fun things you know I mean business especially recently business can be such a challenge and um, and you got to look for the highlights and and one of the things we get most excited about is when we'll get an order in either through our website or through one of our our customers our dealers and retailers and and um and they're doing socks you know they're ordering eight or nine of the same socks because they're going to all the groomsmen and and the and the groom that are in a wedding and, and it's neat that's that's a very small thing but to to be a, a small part of somebody's special day is is, is cool you know we, we get excited about that try to do a little something extra when we ship that order out to them
0: no that's awesome that's that's it's creating a connection, right, with your customers. Right. You know, when you can't be there in person and talking to them um, and going that extra step. I mean, that that uh, that goes a long way with customers. You know, I've I've realized in my short time with you know my apparel company, the average conservationist, that you know I, I'll I'll write a handwritten note, a handwritten thank you note, into every single order that goes out, and you know, as long as it's feasible, I will continue to do it. But it's amazing how many people will reach back out afterwards and just be like, "Hey, thanks for the note. Like, you know, that that really means a lot and everything." And it's, you know, the customers are are important and to, to develop sure. a connection. I mean, that's uh, that goes a long way um, with sure. them in the future.
1: Well, you're you're making us look a little bad, Marcus. We don't <laughs> we, <laughs> we we don't do a handwritten note to to everybody, but we do. Uh, we do care about each order and, and every customer and, and try to make it as personal as possible. And, but it, but it's fun seeing folks enjoy something that, that you've created, you know, that's, that's very satisfying. So. Yeah. Well, don't feel too bad because I'd imagine that you're probably
0: selling more socks than I am t-shirts and whatnot. So, I don't <laughs> so it's all right.
1: So all right. let's kind of get right into it. So tell me about
0: Brown Dog Hosiery.
1: Um, yeah, sure. Uh, so Brown Dog was, um, we we've been in um we've been in the sock business and manufacturing business for a while and um but we were doing uh, different different types of socks and and one of the trends like you, you mentioned and and you've seen is the popularity of of socks and the ability to show off some fashion and and um but we didn't see anything that really appealed to outdoorsmen um the most of the socks that that we saw were one, they were they were made in in China, um, and two, they were just real outland outlandish. The crazier, the better. And um, you know, I'm I'm pretty conservative guy, and and uh, it, it wasn't anything that I was going to wear. But if you, I thought, well, gosh, if I had uh, you know if I had a pair of socks with ducks on them, or or my dog on them, then that's something I would definitely want to wear. And and we we didn't see that out there, so we. We created Brown Dog Hosiery, and um, uh, my Boykin Spaniel, bow was the inspiration for the brand. Um, so we started it at the end of 2017, and and have really had a lot of fun with it. It's um, we, it's, it's growing um, uh, it, it, every year. It's even through the pandemic, we've seen dramatic increases, and and, uh, and we're excited about it. So we we like to say they're great, they're fun patterns. They appeal to outdoorsmen. Um, uh, but, but the, really what we, the, the initial thought was, and while I was so excited to be part of 2% for conservation is, um, it, it wanted to honor the outdoors, but the relationships created through the outdoors. And so what, what I hope people do is, is they get a pair of our socks and they have a, have a deer on them or they've they've got a duck on them and um while you're sitting in work and and you sitting in your office and, and the day is mundane you look down at your feet and you go gosh I remember that time with my brother or, I remember that time with my dad and and um so just a just a a, a little reminder of of um of of who we are and and uh, and and think about good memories and and good memories to come and And, uh, and sometimes while we, while we work so hard so we can, so we can go out and enjoy those, those times when we're outside.
0: Yeah, no, that's a, there's certainly times in everyone's job, right? Where they need a little pick me up. They need a little something to distract them for a minute to kind of get through that afternoon wall. And yeah, that's a great, that's a great way, uh, to do it. So with, so you started in 2017, had you worked in, in manufacturing or with, um, you know, making
1: socks prior to that, yeah, we did. We did our our um, our parent company is Wilson Brown Sock Company, and um, we have another brand, Pro Feet, and we have another brand, um, WB Workwear, uh, and then WB Originals, which we do custom socks and private labels. So we had we had been doing the Pro Feet and the Workwear socks, um, but we created this new brand of, of Brown Dog in uh in 2017. So uh so yeah, we've been around for a, a while. Um but this is our our youngest brand, but the one that's growing the fastest and the one we're most excited about.
0: Yeah, and I think that kind of goes back to uh what we were just talking about uh before with the the popularity of socks, a younger generation and having um, you know, different designs, you know, a deer, a duck, you know, a fish, you know, the list goes on and on of, of different outdoor things that you can, you can put on there. But I'd imagine that that has probably, um, been a real catalyst in, uh, the growth is just that younger generation hitting the workforce, the younger generation of outdoorsmen, of outdoors women, all that, that, you know, see the, uh, the appeal of a, of a nice pair of socks.
1: That's right. It, it it has, and and we, you know, we. Um, I think it's important that that we do our part and everybody else does our part. I mean, this is a, um, you know, we we love to have people come in our meal and and see everything that that goes into it, and um, not not only what goes into it, but the number of hands that touch it and the number of jobs that we're providing and and we try to love on our people and care for them. And, and, um, that, that's uh, part of our core values. And, and, uh, so, so yes, they're fun. Um, they're very high quality. We're using, uh, American grown cotton, um, and we're putting an art support in them and no toe seam. And so it's going to be a, it's going to be a quality product. We take a lot of pride in that. Um, but it's also American made. And, uh, so it's, outdoor theme but i think as you know as um uh, patriotic people and and wanting to see jobs come back to this country especially manufacturing jobs i think it's that's important to to come back to so i think we've got you know we there's there's some people it's a small segment probably that buy just because it's american made i think most people are buying because it's they enjoy the patterns but they're also getting a, a high quality product and and something they can feel feel good about spending their dollars with and so that's i think all that's important and and all of it we're trying to trying to do our part
0: yeah no that's great and you know keeping uh you know keeping the jobs there in north carolina um you know where the cotton is you know having uh, or you're growing the cotton there in north carolina i mean the fact that everything is American made is, I'm sure that like you just said, it's certainly a huge selling point for a lot of people, Um, you know, especially given kind of the landscape of things over the last, you know, 10 years, let's say, uh, you know, people want to uh, support, you know, local businesses, small businesses, American uh, businesses as well. So no, that's really cool uh, that that's, you know,
1: really kind of part of your core values. It is, and it's, um, you know, I think that, it falls into uh w- which um w- we did a video um our our designer our product development designer um uh, fellow that works with us uh he and i w- we wanted to do a video and so we said well let's go see our supply our entire manufacturing supply chain and let's film a little bit at each at each place and Within an hour and a half radius, we visit our entire supply chain. Oh wow! So I, I think, as you know, we, which as outdoorsmen, um, you know, we we really are the original conservationists. Um, but there's a conservation story to that too. We we've our carbon footprint is minuscule compared to a lot of sock companies out there, and I, I think uh, where that's just a small piece, but it is a small piece to the overall picture and, and um, is important. So we're, we're proud of that.
0: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right that, you know, manufacturing at times, I mean, maybe you think more like, you know, the industrial revolution when it was just these big smokestack factories, you know, all over the place and the pollution that it was causing that we, you know, didn't really quite understand at the time and how people have become certainly a lot more cognizant of, of you know, emissions, uh, you know, air pollution, things like that. Um, but to, I guess to kind of take that one step further and, you know, from the conservation side of things and, and, realizing that, you know, minimizing your footprint is going to be better, uh, for the outdoors, which, you know, with, with, um, with Brown Dog, I mean, that's, you know, a lot of the, the customers that you're targeting are outdoorsmen, right. And, you know, to, Kind of have it come full full circle a little bit, and for you know the customers to understand that not only are you giving back, but you're minimizing your footprint and doing, uh, you're kind of attacking that conservation in,
1: in twofold. That's right, that's right, and I, I think it's it's that's all important, right? I mean, and we have a little bit self-serving, but we all want uh, all want to keep keep the opportunities to pursue. Uh, our outdoor passions for, for generations, and every, every little bit helps. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So what is the process like making a sock? I mean, I've, I've always been kind of curious. Or it's one of those things you don't really think about, right? It's just like you, you buy a sock, you put the sock on, you don't think about uh, how it's made. Um, but yeah,
1: what does that process look like? That's right. Um, well, first, I'd love for you to come visit us sometime. Um, if, if you're ever in North Carolina, we'd love for you to come in. We love showing, showing it off because, um, to me, which you, you've been in manufacturing environments, but the whole process is, is fascinating to me. Um, but we, we buy, uh, we buy yarns, um, for our brown dog. We'll, we'll buy cotton yarns, uh, dyed cotton. It's a ring spun comb cotton that's, uh, grown in the South that's spun, in uh thomasville north carolina died in belmont north carolina and shipped to us in our our plant in hall river north carolina Uh, so we'll get those and then we have um which socks require uh we also have to have elastic yarns that go into it and then the pattern yarns are a nylon yarn so um so our designer uh who's very talented will will create the designs and he'll create them in a in a way that The machine can understand it so uh, he'll create the design and he'll send it to our technicians and the technicians will save that um, onto a uh, a hard or to a uh, flash drive put that in the machine and then set the machine up the yarns will be put on the machine uh, as needed and what feeds they're going in and then we'll We start making the socks and the socks are, um, we'll make, we get one brown dog sock every four minutes that comes off. So then, um, after, after it comes off, then we send them, the socks will go to, um, a washing and drying process, much like it would at home. It's just an industrial, industrial size washer and dryer. Uh, after they're, after they're dried, um, they will be sent to a boarding machine. Uh, the boarding machine is, it sets the size and then, then it also, um, acts as, uh, an ironing process, so to speak. So it'll make them nice and flat and, and neat, take out any wrinkles. Then the, the socks are paired, um, and then they are sent to another table to be, um, packaged. And so they'll go into, uh, uh, we have a header card that we we put the the socks in, and then put our two percent for conservation sticker on them, uh, and then they get cased up and and put in our warehouse ready for ready to ship out. Yeah,
0: that's uh that's quite the process. So, <laughs> I mean, so when you when you talked about uh after they go into the wash or you know after they're laundered, um, and then you're like flattening them. Uh, right. Is is it I, when the socks are actually stitched together when they're actually made? Is it are they doing the sizes right there, or does it come? Uh, I guess afterwards, when you when you're doing the flatting, like it's it's put onto like a mold to to stretch it to get it to that certain size. I mean,
1: what is how, how is that? Sure, it's so um, so a sock is made on a it, a knitting machine is. Um, it, it is circular knitting so the socks are made in a circular pattern and what you have on a knitting machine is in that in that circle and there's a, a cylinder and then we have individual needles so on our machines you have 168 needles within that cylinder and so socks on a sock knitting machine the yarns get fed into that cylinder and the needles go up, and there's a little latch on the needles, and so it'll create loops. And you're just, just like your grandmother may have knit a scarf or, um, or something at, at home. It's the same process, just on a on a bigger scale. And a lot and so faster. Creating, <laughs> and a lot faster. <laughs> and so you're creating those loops. Well, every time that so. That's a loop. Every time that machine goes around one time is called a course. And so what the pr- there's a program that goes onto the machine. And so the number of courses will create the length of the sock. okay. And then you'll that machine will tell it, okay, once you get to this many courses, you're going to switch, you're going to make a heel and then you're going to make the foot. And then the number of courses that are in there will determine how long that sock is. And our technicians are very skilled, and they they understand how much shrinkage you're going to have once it goes through the washer and dryer. So they'll make them, when they come off, they're going to look a little bigger than you would expect, and then they'll draw up some. And then once they go on that boarding machine, it really locks in and sets that size for it.
0: Okay. Yeah, I mean the the kind of the whole process of uh, from the design to loading the the image into the machine. Um, that manufacturing process sounds a lot to me uh, like something that I used to be somewhat involved with, with uh, like CNC um, machines, uh, where you right. can pro you know you can load a program for whatever type of you know tool or molding or you know whatever it is that that you're trying to make. Uh, a lot of the the same applications just applied differently.
1: Sure, you know this, uh, and and this is a this is a different conversation, and this doesn't apply just to us as manufacturers. But um, I think manufacturing has gotten somewhat of a, a bad rap the last 25, 30 years. Um, it, I, I can just speak personally for for our operation, but I think this is probably true ac- across any manufacturer. The days of going into a um, you know a dirty environment where um, where it's real loud and and um, and it's not a pleasant place to work that those days don't really exist any longer and the the folks that we have working in in our um, in our plant as as technicians these are highly skilled guys these these guys have to understand. Uh, they've got to understand graphics because they're they're um, they're coming over and they're looking at screens and and seeing how the graphics line up. So they have to understand that part of it. They've got to understand computers because these machines are all computerized, and they've got to understand programming. When you look at the the program for the machine, it looks like code of that you would see on a on a computer program. Um, they've also got to understand. Mechanics, because you've got a lot of lot of parts going on within that machine. Um, so, so these guys, uh, it, it's very highly technical, and um, so, and that, that's one of the challenges for our industry. Is I think young people, especially, don't recognize the opportunity because with that uh, ability and that highly uh, technical ability. Um, Comes higher pay, uh, more opportunity, and uh, and and honestly, it's, it's a good work environment. Our, our folks love what they do. You you
0: hit the nail right on the head with with talking about manufacturing because, yeah, in my experience as well, the people running those machines and operating those machines, and, and granted, they were you know we're talking about two different things in terms of socks and the type of manufacturing uh, that I was involved in. But I mean, yeah, they were some of the smartest guys that we had working in our facility. The fact that they have, you know, when they were adjusting things and you know they're trying to take, you know, like a mill off of a off of something or just dust the the top of, you know, this piece of metal because it doesn't quite fit right or something like that. I mean, those guys are artists with with those we machines, and, and it is super impressive to see. And there were times, I mean, and I was working with some, you know, some some older gentlemen at the time and you know the things that it's funny like the things they could teach me about that were things that i would have never probably ever knew about learned about come across anything like that and it's amazing if you have a little bit of an understanding about you know just manufacturing processes in general i don't think it needs to be uh specific to one thing or another Um, you have a much better understanding of almost how the world works, right? Especially if you start looking around your house, your car, your garage, all these different things. And it kind of paints the picture for you.
1: Marcus, I got, I got to be honest w- with you. I, it, I think you're exactly right. And I think what it makes me realize is how dependent I am on other people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tell you, I mean, I don't know how to do plumbing. I don't know how to do electrical work at my house. And, uh, it, it, it in our plant. I can maybe turn the machine on, um, but that's about (laughs) it. But, and I have such a great admiration for people that, that are able to do that. And, uh, but I think that's the beautiful part about being in business and, um, is we're all been gifted with different things and, and we're all part of the team and, and no one job is more important than another. It's just a, it's just a different function. And, and, uh, and that's fun to me getting, being able to do it together is, is really exciting. And, and, um, and I love growing up playing youth sports and, and being part of a team is great. And, uh, and I, I still get to do it every day. And, uh, that that's, that's very rewarding. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. That team, if,
0: you know, for anyone who's grown up, you know, playing any type of organized sports, like, like you just mentioned, <clears throat> when you get to a certain and in, in you know, unless you're one of the very, very few gifted individuals who who gets to go on and, and play at a, a very high level, that that team atmosphere you, you lose that in a lot of regard. And to be able to and to be able to find that um, within a company, within an organization, and everyone doing their part to, to spit out this final product, whatever it may be, uh, it's a really cool thing to see. And it's it's really cool, especially when you get. You know, someone who's making the sales to someone who's designing it to someone who's actually manufacturing it to, you know, putting the final touches on it to to go into inventory or to ship out to stores. I mean, there's a it, it's just a really cool thing to see them helping each other to, you know, reach your goal in in putting out the best possible quality sock in this case that that you can. Uh Yeah, there's a certain level of uh oh gosh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, craftsmanship, uh, you know, there's a certain level sure. of being, you know, uh, I want to say proud, but that's, I mean, you're, you're certainly proud of the work that you're doing. Uh, but to see it all come together is, is a really cool thing.
1: It, it really is. And, and there's, you know, each of us have a responsibility to the other people in our organization. Cause if, um, you know, if the, if the technician is not doing his job, then, uh, that's going to make the knitter's job a whole lot more difficult if the knitter's not doing her job when it gets to the pairing process it's going to be much more difficult and then uh if if the guys in the warehouse aren't shipping orders correctly that it it all affects all of us so we've got a responsibility to one another uh, much much like a team you know and i guess i've got a i must have just a, a heart for being part of a team because we're you know as we're we're talking about it i you know i i think about that with my with my boy can spaniel um you know that and, and it, when and he's the first i've had dogs all my life and uh i've had dogs i've, I've hunted with but never real successfully <laughs> um this this dog is uh you know i had somebody train him and and um and he's he's pretty good i mean he you know we're he's he's not a national champion or anything but uh but to me he's he's fantastic but when we're hunting together we're on a team and that and that makes hunting totally different for me uh when we're working together even when we're training together and um so so yeah it's all of it i guess all of it ties together doesn't it it's uh doing doing life with uh with other people's far more satisfying and rewarding than um than just doing it doing it on your own i wouldn't be happy just uh, working independently all the time—that seems lonely. Yeah, yeah. It, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's it—it's a saying that
0: I've heard a bunch of times, and it's very cliche and kind of savvy, But teamwork makes the dream work, right? I mean, sure.
1: that's kind of what it boils down to. Right, that's right. It's, it's a whole lot more fun accomplishing something when we all do it. You know, it's uh, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't want somebody to ever look at our company and and think gosh, look at what Callum did. I mean, that's it's like, hey, we did this in spite of me. I, I say that <laughs> all the time. I just get in the way. But I'm good at hiring people smarter than me, um, which in my case is, is not, that, not that difficult to, to find <laughs> people smarter than me. But, you know, I think that's, you know, get – get the right people in, give them the resources, um, create the culture and then, and then get either way, you know, and, and, uh, and I I see that maybe that's a bit of a cop out, but that's kind of how I, how I see my role. No, I think that's, I think that's what makes
0: a great leader is, is recognizing talent. And then, you know, once you get that person on board, giving them the autonomy to, to do what they're good at, right. And trust that they're, you know, going to, put the company's interests ahead of theirs, that they're going to lead their, you know, maybe small team of people the right way. And yeah, no, I, I don't think it's a cop out at all. I think that's what, I think that's what makes a good leader is recognizing talent and then allowing them to do what they're good at. Right. So with Callum, with Brown Dog, I mean, are you guys just producing like, uh, like everyday wear type socks or do you have socks that are maybe like thicker for maybe like you know actually getting out hunting or you know like athletic type socks you know a lot of people like the no-show type socks i mean what all what all kind of socks do you guys make
1: yeah thanks for asking marcus we do um we started because we saw that trend of um of being able to provide pattern dress casual socks and that was really where we started and Uh, and and we've had such a good response we've started expanding the line we've got a um, what I would call a golf sock it's a a tab sock that we're doing now uh, using the same ring spun cotton comb cotton that that we use in our dress casual socks and and then we're doing a no-show that's uh, below the below the shoe line um, that we've done well with and and, uh, and and I'm really excited we're we're coming out this fall, um, or early spring with, uh, with a field wear line. So we're using really nice, uh, merino wool, uh, product. Um, and these socks, I've got a pair on right now with, uh, with, with, I'm wearing boots today and, and, um, with, with my boots I always wear these socks when I can find them in my drawer. Uh, but, but they are, they're going to be, I think, really well received. So we're going to do, um, you know, our, our field where will be kind of a lighter version for early season. You know, if you're upland hunting and then we'll have some mid season and then, uh, late season where you're going to wear with your waders, And I'm, I'm real excited about those.
0: Yeah. You're speaking my language there with the Merino. I'm a big, uh, yeah. proponent of Merino wool, uh, really in, uh, kind of all aspects of, um uh, hunting or, or fishing or anything like that I mean I think about I was kind of first introduced to uh, merino maybe four or five years ago uh, as base layers um, but and then I, I stumbled upon like well you can actually make socks out of it too and yeah I have not looked back so with you guys coming out with some merino that's that's exciting I'm definitely going to have to uh,
1: to give those a run well I'll get I'll get some pairs out to you so you can test them for us and let me know what you think
0: yeah, absolutely. But Marina,
1: I'm I'm a natural fiber guy. I love uh, I love our cotton socks, uh, but but this merino is um, man, there. It's a great fiber. It's really the original performance fiber. I mean, people think of it as as just for warmth, which it does provide warmth, but but it naturally regulates your temperature. So even in on warmer days, it, it keeps your foot cool. Yeah. No, you're
0: absolutely right. I've, uh, I think it was probably maybe two years ago or a year ago or so somewhere there where, yeah, I basically like cleaned out my sock drawer. It was like only Merino, right? It's just, it's just so, it's just so much nicer. Uh, you know, your feet don't sweat nearly as bad. And if they do, they, they don't stay like, um, they don't stay you know (laughs) moist and just like gross for for the for the entirety of the day so no that that's super exciting and i'm sure um you know a lot of people that are just buying your the the casual wear
1: socks are going to be really excited about those as well i i think so it's funny how um how we we take socks for granted most of us and and uh, i had a friend come by the other day and and uh, I gave him a. He came by our office. I gave him a, a pair of socks, and he texted me when he got home. And he's like, "Man, I love these socks. Are these? Is this new technology?" And I'm like, <laughs> "No, it's been around a long time." So you, "You've been buying cheap socks for a long time. Is your problem?" And and uh, I, I think he's a he's a believer now, in and paying a little bit more for a, a decent pair of socks. It makes all the difference when you start wearing wearing decent socks, you, you, you won't go back to, uh, just buying the, buying the cheap
0: stuff. Yeah. Though there comes, I I feel like in every man's life, there comes a point when they realize that they will pay for quality, right? They won't just buy socks because they're socks. Like they want something that's going to last, that's going to be comfortable. And yeah, the older I get,
1: the more I realize, you know, you certainly get what you pay for. That's right. Well, and especially as outdoorsmen, right. I mean, if you've ever been on a if you've ever been standing in a duck blind with cold feet or your (laughs) socks keep sliding down on you, it, it it takes away part of the enjoyment of the experience.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny. You mentioned standing in a duck blind with cold feet. I literally just had a gentleman on, uh, I recorded an episode with a gentleman um, who runs a waterfall guide service uh, up in Rhode Island. And we were kind of, we were exchanging some stories and I had uh, a story from when I was out duck hunting when I was, just a young buck. I mean, I was 13, 14 years old and my waders had dry rotted and I was standing in like oh, three daddy. inches of water. Yeah. So when you said cold feet in the duck line, I was like, I don't think any pair of socks would have helped me that day. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> right. So, so oh, you, you gotta be, if that was your early experience to duck hunting, you, you got to be a little bit crazy to go back out and do it again, right?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, that was, <clears throat> that was my first, uh, on this trip, it was the first day with my dad and, uh, yeah, they, they had dry rotted and you know, I was, it's funny, whoever listens to this podcast is going to hear this story like two weeks in a row, but that's all right. And they were just, I was just belly aching that I'm like, my feet are so cold. And he was like, you got to toughen up. Like it's, it's getting to the good time of the the evening. Like (laughs) I I can't do this, man. Like we can't walk back to the truck right now or anything. Right. So, and he kind of thought I was just, you know, being a little wimpy, I guess. And so we get oh, yeah. back to the truck and we're changing, take my waders off. And, you know, you dump out three inches of water in the bottom. He's like, oh, okay. yeah. Uh, but luckily we were able to find a pair the next morning. Uh, so my feet were good. Uh, but yeah. then one of my other buddies, uh, another, there was another father's son with us. Um, and he tripped in some flooded timber and filled up his waders. And there was no toughing that one out. We had to get out of yeah. there. So right. my dad right. never took me on those type of duck hunts anymore. We just stayed around the house. Okay.
1: Okay. Well, I'm sure, uh, I'm, I, I hope you still remind him and hold that over his head, uh, about that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So,
0: you know, speaking of the outdoors, Callum, how was it that you were kind of really introduced to the outdoors?
1: Uh, God, Marcus, I, I mean, as long as I can remember, I, I mean, I, I guess my earliest memories, I you know, especially here in North Carolina, um, you know uh, which i think all over the south probably all over the country uh dove hunting is is a a great first introduction for kids just a big social event and and i can remember going out with my dad when i was probably four or five years old um and hanging around eating you know we have uh caught a pig picking here somebody you know cooking a hog and and uh before we go out and hunt and and uh I, i think that's those memories kind of got embedded with me and just the camaraderie and being outside and enjoying it. And so, um, so I started with that and then I think I probably graduated to taking a BB gun with me and then, um, and then single shot 410, and then, you know, 20 gauge and you keep, keep going up and it's the old natural a little, progression, a little rite of passage, yep. right. You know, and, and, uh, and, and it's been fun. I, I get to do the same thing now with, with my daughters um and and that's that's really special for me to be able to pass that on and so i guess that was the the initial introductions and then i just don't ever remember not not being outside not doing something i, I wasn't or was some a little older and we didn't have all the um all the distractions inside with with the all the video games and and that sort of stuff so but i don't think I'd a uh, been drawn to that anyway i I always wanted to be outside so we were out fishing or playing in the woods and and um you know i've got a passion for duck hunting my we would always take a an annual trip around thanksgiving down to the coast of north carolina and just special memories and um and and i've created so many with with all the men in my family Uh, my father-in-law got me into trout fishing and um and then uh, I, with my stepdad and stepbrother, we've got a deer camp here locally, and and it just, uh, I, my life would be so different, and the relationships would be so less meaningful if if I didn't have uh, if I didn't have had these shared passions. So, yeah, the outdoors is
0: it's I feel like a broken record because I've said this you know to so many guests is it just has this really cool way of I guess kind of shaping the person that, that you end up becoming as an adult, right? I mean, all those little experiences just add up over time and over time. And, you know, even if there's parts of your life where you kind of tend to veer off track a little bit or, you you know, you can't spend the amount of time outdoors that you would like, it always pulls you back in. I mean, whether it's uh, what I found is actually there's a lot of kind of uh, big, almost traumatic events in your life that kind of open your eyes a little bit more um, or force you to remember some things from when you were younger. And, you know, nine times out of 10, a lot of those, those early memories involve the outdoors and it just like, you know, strikes this passion in you or, you know, if you're fortunate enough to, to maintain that, that fire throughout the entirety of your life, but it, uh, it does something to you that unless you've kind of, growing up that way or experienced it, it's really hard, at least
1: for me to put into words. It is for me too. Um, and it's, uh, and I, I think that's one of the challenges that that we have. It it seems like, um, you know, when I was growing up in in our area, uh, it seemed like everybody's dad hunted or fished. And I don't think that's the case anymore. And, um, and just having the opportunity, I don't know, if I hadn't have been introduced to it by my dad, uh, how do you go about getting into it? And yeah. I think about all the things that I would have missed out on. Um, so I think we've got a bit of a responsibility there, too, to uh, provide opportunities for that next generation, whether they're within our families or not, looking looking for opportunities to get to get kids outside, you know. Yeah, no, you're absolutely uh, that's right. Cli- kind of cliche, but but uh, but I want people. I think the I think as an outdoorsman, I'm sure you're this way too. I mean, there's there's kind of that progression too of of um, uh, of at, at some point in time, it it becomes not about me and what I want to harvest or what I want to catch. It's about seeing other people enjoy that and and being and especially like I see it with my youngest daughter's really turned into a, to an outdoors lady, which I, which I love. And, um, it is, I mean, I, I could go, we could go hunt and, um, I'm happy to not even take a gun, just watch her and be with the dog. And, and that's, uh, it's really, it's really neat experience to get, to get to that point. Kelly you took the words right out of my mouth. I was, I mean, that's,
0: that you're absolutely right. That when, When people get to that point, it becomes more about uh, those around them and exposing new people uh, to 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 the hunting lifestyle. Um, I have you know uh, a small group of friends um, who who I hunt with, um, and then I have another group of friends who like during the winter I like to do a lot of skiing uh, and stuff like that. So I have like that group of friends, and none of them uh, have ever hunted a day in their life. And I've always I keep kind of talking to them like. You know, if you guys want to try it, like all you have to do is say the word like, hey, I'd love to go deer hunting. It's like, I've got an extra gun. I've got plenty of camel. Like I've got places we, you know, private land we can hunt. Like you just have to to say the word, right? right. And yeah, I think some of them are coming around to it. I think it's just, they didn't grow up in it. So they've never had the opportunity. They they don't even know where to start. Um, but yeah, to, to see the joy that other people get, whether it's shooting their first bird harvesting their first big game animal catching their first trout on a fly rod whatever the case is i mean those are those are big things uh, especially for for young kids um i mean it's it's an indescribable thing to to be a part
1: of without a doubt and uh I, you know i think there's that you know misperception in a lot of respects and and i think as hunters and, and fishermen we've we've kind of fallen into the trap if you you know you you watch a a show on the outdoor channel and um and it gets if if you watch that and you don't really know anything about it well if i didn't kill a a monster buck then i haven't succeeded and I, i think we've sent that message in a in a real negative way and um and and i say all the time like with uh with with trout fishing if i've got a fly rod in my hand um that's just an excuse to go stand out in the middle of nature in a beautiful <laughs> stream with mountains all around me. And it does something to it, – it, it really uh, – just being there, I can tell a difference in who I am when I come back from that, even if it's just an afternoon. It's, um, and I think that uh, – I think we've been created to want that, and I don't think we're meant to be – inside and around asphalt all the time i think there's something and and so i think getting those people just to experience it you know like, like your friends that are skiing if they enjoy being out there and that i guarantee you they they love being out in in, in nature
0: yes yeah. uh it,
1: it, and and i'm kind of rambling here but it's um like when i'm we, we our black powder season starts um starts this uh starts this weekend here in North Carolina in our part of North Carolina. And I tell people, and I wish I could say this more poetically, but, um, you know, if you just walk into the woods, uh, it's like you're an intruder into those woods. But when I go out before sunrise and I'm in that deer stand and then the woods start coming to life around me, it's like I become a part of that nature. Instead of an intruder, and I don't know if that's saying it the right way, but it's a it's a really neat experience. Whether I see anything or harvest anything or not, um, just to be a just to be a part of that is really neat. And um, I think it's we need to get more folks out there to experience it. Yeah, you no, you you explained that very well. I mean,
0: you know, like, you know, in an example of slipping into a tree stand, you know, before light, and you know, being. Uh, as non-obtrusive as possible, which is always the goal, right? Whether we're, you know, especially when we're hunting, like we're trying to be as stealth as can be. And then when you're sitting in your, you know, whether it's a box blind, a tent, a tree stand, whatever, just watching the world, Mother Nature, wake up. I mean, it's it's a cool thing. And I think, you know, even sometimes I'm guilty of taking it, you know, for granted. But there's there's certain mornings I think when, you know, especially this time of year, when we're kind of getting into the rut, at least here in Michigan that, uh, you know, you kind of, you know that there's going to be a lot of movement. There's going to be a lot of activity. Uh, I mean, I've seen some of the coolest things I've ever seen in nature while sitting in a tree stand by myself, no one around, no phone in my hand, just being quiet and watching things. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's uh it's a very, very cool thing to watch mother nature do its thing.
1: Without a doubt. And uh, I think we're, you know, we're so, I think our minds need that too, right? I mean, we're, we're so, we're constantly connected to something and we need to, our minds need to just relax and kind of check out for, for a little while. And I think there's, there's something to that about being outside too and, and being forced to be still. I know that's one of the problems I have. There's always something to do. And so it's nice to go away and be forced to be still. Yeah.
0: So <clears throat> keeping with the outdoors and and conservation I mean how was it uh Callum, that you learned about two percent
1: for conservation uh, honestly I was um you know I I'm, I'm a big fan of a lot of a lot of outdoor brands out there and um, I stumbled across I was on duck camps website um I was looking for uh I was actually looking for an upland bird vest which I Saw they just came out with one. Yeah, I got that email this morning too. <laughs> but, but this was a, this was a few months ago, and I was I was just looking, looking, and I saw, and I thought, gosh, that's interesting. Um, and so I hopped on the Two Percent for Conservation website and started learning about it. And I said, this is this is neat. This is I, I kind of had this thinking in my head of uh, of of what can we do, and it was like, gosh, here it is. So, um, so that was that was my introduction to it. Yeah, no, that's
0: great to see. Um, you know, brands that have you know recently come on board um, with two percent um, being influenced uh, or influencing other brands to then join two percent. I mean, obviously, uh, we've had Duck Camp on the podcast. Uh, I actually I have some of their stuff. I mean, it's a, it's a great company. Uh, but then for you to you know to stumble across two percent because you know, you saw, you know, you were, you know, shopping on their, on their website or whatnot. I mean, that's, that's kind of a really cool thing to see, um, you know, learning about 2% through a brand that you're already supporting. And then
1: in turn, you know, getting your own business 2% certified. Right. And so hopefully somebody will hop on our website and see the same and go, gosh, that's, that's interesting. So, uh, you know, maybe we should be a part of that too. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're, we're not competitors I, I, I mean, in, in business and I think as outdoorsmen, sometimes we, you know, we lose sight of, um, you know, hey, this, I, I want this all to myself or, you know, and, but we're all, we're all in this together. And, uh, and, and so we, we need to support one another. And I hope, gosh, I hope other site companies will see it and, and want to be a part of it and want to want to help with the effort.
0: Yeah, because that's uh, that's something Jared Frazier, the executive director of 2% always says is uh, conservation is not a competition, right? So, you yeah. know, the more companies that, that want to get involved and give back their time and dollars, uh, I mean, that's that's a win-win for anyone who enjoys any type of outdoor recreating.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So what are some of the uh, organizations
1: that um, Brown Dog is giving back to? Yeah, so we um, we've helped uh, Coastal Conservation Association uh, in, here in North Carolina. We've we've provided socks for um, for their banquets and uh, and we've um, and then we're members uh, of of it too and um, and so that's one um, Ducks Unlimited here locally. We've we've helped uh, with several of their banquets. Uh, Delta Waterfowl. We've partnered with them with with doing, um, with doing some socks and, and some gift backs, uh, Boykin Spaniel Rescue is, is, a is one that we, one that we help. So, um, so we've really, uh, we've done that. And, and, and frankly, we were doing a lot of that prior to becoming a part of 2% for conservation. And so, um, so we've continued to do it. The, the part that we hadn't done and the part that, I'm probably most excited about is, is the volunteer time.
0: Yeah. And,
1: uh, we're still looking for, uh, uh, for the right, right organization to help with, um, with that. I've, I've had some conversations and I think there's opportunities there, but I'm excited to get, uh, get our team to be able to participate in, in something. Cause kind of like what we've, uh, what we've talked about, there's a lot of folks in our organization that are, that are outdoors men and women, but, uh, but, but most aren't. And so I'm excited to, to find something that we can do as a, um, as a team building event and and a way to expose, expose folks to, uh, to getting outside and see the value in it.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. Um, especially, you know, just given, I mean, 21 hours for, for a company is, I mean, that's, you know, if you get, you know five or six people from your your organization i mean that's that's a morning's worth of work right but uh, that's right you know it, so it's it's certainly not tough um to attain the the hours but that's what i hear with a lot of people um that are kind of just getting involved with either two percent or really kind of immersing themselves in the the conservation world uh is they really enjoy that boots on the ground uh activity they enjoy they feel a lot more i guess sense of accomplishment at the end of a day uh, when they've cleaned up a trailhead, they've pulled fence, they've you know cleaned up a uh, some type of watershed, or you know built wood um, wood duck boxes, or whatever the case is. I mean, there's there's a list of of things that you can do, but there's there's it's it's
1: almost a little bit something more to hang your hat on at the end of the day. Sure, yeah, it feels it's tangible,
0: right? Yeah, I mean,
1: exactly. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's nice to be able to to actually do something physically to feel like you're giving back. Yeah. So
0: so we're kind of <clears throat> getting to the point about wrapping, getting close to wrapping things up here, but a few more things I wanted to kind of touch on. Where, I guess, Callum, where would you say that you, I know you grew up in the outdoors, but where would you say that that conservation mindset really came from for
1: you? God, good question, Marcus. Um, I, I don't know... Um, I mean, certainly, as a duck hunter, uh, that message has been so clear as habitat decreased, and and um, and I think organizations like Ducks Unlimited and Delta Waterfowl have done such a good job of of uh, of showing folks the need or telling that story. And so, I I guess um, I guess maybe that that just sort of got embedded in me um i'm not sure i i, I know uh you know I, i'm i'm a dad That that's one of the great roles that i that i play in my life and one i'm uh maybe most proud of and and uh and i look forward to having grandkids one day and hopefully and and being able to share time out there with them and so i i don't know i think they're just um I, I don't know if I could reach back and say, well, there was one significant moment more so than there's just a, uh, I just had this this feeling of, hey, I, I love this. I want to make sure, I want to ensure that it's still going to be around. So um, so this is, this is going to be important. And um, so I, I, I don't know, I'm not sure if that a- answers your question or not, but I think it's just kind of always a sense that it's just what we're supposed to do
0: yeah no and that's um i i hear that from a lot of folks where it's just it was never maybe necessarily talked about directly as hey this is conservation or this is what conservation is it's more or less it's you've been um taught a conservation ethic without really knowing it you were taught to do the right things uh to leave things better than you found it to treat uh, the animals with respect uh you, you know all those different types of things and I think that that message over time, like you just said, it just kind of becomes embedded in you, right?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think that's probably true of of most outdoorsmen in it. I mean, there is just kind of an unspoken code of ethics there. Uh, we we pick up after ourselves, and we do leave things better than we found them. And you do, I think that's a great way to phrase it. You respect the animals. It's not, uh, and and I think that's hard to describe to somebody that is, um, that that's not an outdoorsman, uh, and, and trying to put that into words too is is difficult, but I think you're right. I think it's just that the community, the outdoors community just is kind of impressed upon you. Yeah. So
0: I know you said you have black powder season. That's just about, uh, on you in your area there. So do you have any, um, I guess trips for the remainder of the year or maybe next year that, uh, you're excited about getting out on?
1: gosh i tell you marcus we've been i've been i've been working uh quite a bit here lately and and uh so i'm not able to uh to go as much but i'm planning a uh we've got black powder here and and some buddies and i have a have a house we rent in eastern part of north carolina and so i'm excited our duck season comes in uh in a couple weeks here and so so we'll be down there at our duck club and and um and i'm I'm excited about that, and I've got a customer that's going to take me on a on a hunt in uh the Mississippi Flyway, which i've it's never hunted the Mississippi flyway, so so we're trying to work that out hopefully in december and um so that's uh that'll be it for this year um but uh but yeah hopefully hopefully there'll be more to come,
0: yeah, no that's exciting um you, you got to make sure you take those breaks, stop turning on those machines there and get out in the woods. <laughs>
1: that's, right. that's right. That's, uh, one of these days, that's going to be, uh, that's going to be my focus, but it's, uh, you know, being a dad and, and uh, our, our youngest is, uh, she's a soccer player. And so we spend a lot of, I'm, I'm either working or I'm spending time at the soccer field these days, it seems like, but uh, all good stuff. But, uh, but, 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 i'm I'm excited about finding some extra time to to get out there yeah no i I have uh two young kids uh the, almost three and almost
0: five, so we haven't i mean we've done like the uh the little sports stuff uh little club type stuff, nothing uh that really takes away from weekends or anything yet, but you know they're uh they're starting to at least my my daughter who's the older she's starting to show a little bit of interest in in the outdoors and just being outside, so I was able to take her on uh, our first deer hunt last year, which lasted about 35, which lasted about 35 minutes before she was out of snacks and just, uh, (laughs) was cold and was ready to go in. So, but she's already, you know, talking about wanting to try to get out again this year. So it's all, it's all great. And yeah, sometimes you have to take a step back and, you know, prioritize, uh, as much as we love the outdoors
1: that, you know, certainly family comes first. Absolutely. Then you change your expectations, right? You do. If she has a good time and wants to do it again, that's success. Yeah, that's 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 a win right there. So, yeah. <clears throat> real quick, Calvin, before I let you go here, where can
0: people find your socks at?
1: Uh, you, you can find we've got um, over three hundred retailers uh, that, and we've got a dealer locator on our on our website. That's BrownDogHosiery uh, dot com. And if you don't have a, a retailer in your area, you can buy directly from our website. Um, And you'll you'll see how to do that when you're on there, too. All
0: right. Well, Callum, thank you so much for kind of giving me the uh, inside scoop on making socks and, you know, what Brown Dog stands for as far as a a company and their values and everything like that. Uh, And just, you know, hearing some stories uh, about your upbringing in the outdoors as well. I really enjoyed it.
1: Well, Marcus, I did, too. It was nice talking to you, and and, um, I appreciate the opportunity to be on with you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And if uh next time we get down to North Carolina, I'll be sure to to look you up and maybe depending on the time of year we can catch a trout stream or, you know, just do the tour of the factory there.
1: Uh let, let's do both. Yeah, there you go. Let's do it.
0: All right. Great.
1: All, all right, well take care, Callum. All right. Thank you, Marcus. All right.
0: All right. Well, thank you again to Callum for joining me today on the podcast. Uh, I would also like to thank the partners that helped make this podcast possible. Uh, Stone Glacier, Go Hunt, uh, Wild Rivers Coffee, as well as 2% for Conservation. Uh, Please be sure to go out and support the companies that support this podcast and, like I said, help make it possible. Uh, And if you'd like to learn more about 2% for Conservation, you can visit their website, fishandwildlife.org. And there you can see all the certified brands that have committed to conservation that you should support when you shop. I also encourage you to follow 2% on social media where it's going to, where they are going to post only positive conservation-driven content in your feeds. So again, if you'd like to learn more about 2% for Conservation, you can look for them online on social media or at fishandwildlife.org. Thanks for tuning in this week, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, remember, stay safe out there, and conservation starts with you.